Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe mini-sode. I'm Sir Patrick, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Dark Knight Rises and Alita Battle Angel Alita episode is... <laughs> Sucks to be you, uh, James Hunt. <laughs> yeah, uh, somehow James has actually managed to swing it so that as soon as Joe's out the door, I finally get persuaded to do Alita Battle Angel Alita, which is how I'm going to refer to it constantly because I can never remember which way round the name goes. I mean, the, the movie is Alita Battle Angel, but I will probably call it Battle Angel Alita because that's a much better name. Right, is that the name of the source material? Or it is, is the it name just of the that it sounds better? Yeah. Is this yeah. like the film that should be called Rise of the Skywalker and not The Rise of Skywalker <laughs> because one of those scans and one of them doesn't? The Rise of the Skywalker, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> um, and yeah, and we're going to be joined on that episode. Uh, I'll give you a, a guest preview. Uh, we're going to be joined by a long-time guest, Caroline Cedar, to cover that one. Uh, Caroline, like me, also has not seen the film yet, so hopefully the podcast won't just be James going on about how much he loves it for an hour and a half, but it's just <laughs> rolling our eyes. Um, but before that, we do have an awful lot of news to catch up on, which is why we're finally getting around to doing a minisode, which we haven't done for about three episodes uh, time. Uh, you might recall that on our last episode, we uh, we did we covered a big piece of news just before D23. Uh, then D23 happened and gave us a load of news to talk about. But I think probably first off, we should kind of box off for now. Um, the, the the unresolved cliffhanger at the, from the new section of our Dark Knight Rises episode. But I don't think it's resolved in a way that... Uh, well, I still don't think it is actually resolved, but it certainly hasn't shaken itself out in a way that, that I had anticipated. Because I think we left that thinking, well, we're talking about this Spider-Man, uh, Marvel, Disney, Sony situation as if this is something that's ongoing and then it's all going to get sorted out in a few days' time. And I did, I, and I, it did seem a bit like they were negotiating in public, didn't it? That was exactly. the impression so I got. I think we left it with a point of view of, well, we're talking about it as if it's all fallen apart, but we expect that by the time we next get on to do an episode, it'll have all been sorted. And actually... Um, I mean, again, you can't take anything as 100% final, but right now, and as of D23, everybody is talking about it as if it is pretty much final. I was going to say, um, it has been resolved and it's sorted, just not yeah. the way we expected it to be. I mean, I still would not be surprised if it get if this situation changes in future, but I don't think it's going to change in like the coming weeks. No. Um, but you know, the fact that we have had at D23, uh, we've had not only Tom Holland, but also Kevin Feige, 
talking about it and Kevin Feige talking in very final terms. I mean, Kevin Feige just saying anything could be a negotiation tactic. I was going to say, uh, of course he's going <laughs> to talk about it in final terms because he wants, yeah. you know, to put the willies up Sony. But yeah, uh, um, <laughs> is that is that phrase going to travel across overseas? Possibly not. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, but yeah, so, you know, so he has said, um, uh, I'm feeling about Spider-Man, gratitude and joy. We got to make five films within the MCU with Spider-Man, two standalone films and three with the Avengers. It was a dream that I never thought would happen. It was never meant to last forever. We knew there was a finite amount of time that we'd be able to do this and we told the story we wanted to tell and I'll always be thankful for that. To which I say, couldn't you have told us that beforehand? You know, I mean, it was did. never meant to be forever and we had a story we wanted to tell and that's why we left it on a cliffhanger in fairness when it when it was announced it was always yeah like oh we've got a limited time deal and then we'll look at it yeah. after that so i'm not entirely surprised that the deal ended because you know it was all successful and sony were like well now we can do we can carry on and keep all the money for the next movie so thanks see you later and Tom Holland said, I love you 3,000, um, knowing exactly what to say to get a reaction. Um, I, I think, But I think there is probably, I mean, we don't need to dwell on and repeat um, everything that we talked about, not least because actually um, what we said is more valid than back then, what we said back then is more valid than I think we thought it would be by now. Um, I think it is just worth noting, though, that, that all indications seem to be that this doesn't affect Tom Holland's position as Sony's Peter Parker, there doesn't seem to be any indication. No, that he's I get. Not going to I get the impression that, at the moment. that the the next film will just follow on mm. and just not mention Avengers or anything. Yeah, like presumably Sony own all those characters, including uh, J.K. Simmons. So <laughs> we're gonna the film's gonna open and we're gonna see Aunt May out on a date uh, with a guy named Otto Octavius. And, uh, <laughs> Happy will never be mentioned again. Um, and fortunately we've got an awful lot of other news from D23 to catch up on which means we don't have to dwell on that too much longer Um, so the first thing and James I know that we are just we are not sick of talking about this on the podcast at all Um, but Eternals we got some Eternals news Um, we got confirmation of who everybody is playing because I don't think had we had that had we actually had everybody matched up with no we had a lot of guesses but now we've got actual actual confirmations some of them quite surprising yeah so let's let's run through the names and let's see how many of them are <laughs> how many of them we've heard of can identify <laughs> yeah. so uh angelina jolie is i'll tell you what i'm going to go through them and you can tell me if this was expected or not expected go for it um and because i i still don't have much of a clue as to which of these various characters are so you're being very generous to assume i do but carry on (laughs) well you have to because i'm hosting this one so you're stuck in the expert (laughs) role uh angelina jolie is thena ah i wouldn't have called it but it's not entirely surprising so why would you have not called that then is just because i wouldn't have thought thena would actually be in the movie i don't know like uh, Richard Madden is Icarus. I don't know Richard Madden like at all. He's the guy but... from Bodyguard. <laughs> I've never seen Bodyguard. <laughs> the Bodyguard. No, not the Bodyguard. We've he's, had this he's Whitney Houston. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no idea who he's he is. He's a handsome Scottish man. But that makes sense for Icarus, who I have no idea who Icarus is. So Icarus looks a bit like Miracle Man. Yeah, he does a lot. Um, uh, Kamal Nanjiani is Kingo. Never heard of Kingo. Have you heard of any of the Eternals? Some of them. <laughs> we'll get to it. Apparently he spent centuries in Japan learning the ways of the samurai, so he's Wolverine. 
Uh, Lauren Ridloff is Makari. Yeah, it was Makari in Evil One. I don't really remember. Uh, Makari is they've gender flipped. He's formerly known as Hurricane and Mercury, so he's the. Oh he's the speedster. yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Brian Tyree Henry is Fastos. No, no idea. Uh, Salma Hayek is Ajak, the leader. Ajak, again, no clue. Uh, Leah McHugh is Sprite. I think that's the one we knew because of her age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don Lee is Gilgamesh. The forgotten one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry, oh, Irish name that I'm not sure how to pronounce. Is it? Is it? Is it Quiggan? Let's say yes. Uh, is Druig? Yeah, never heard of him. Uh, Gemma Chan is Cersei, um, and is being reported as as actually being the lead. Um, so she's not playing uh, Minerva. Do you know anything about Cersei? Yeah, Cersei is the one Eternal I actually have any knowledge of because she was in the Avengers for a while. Right, so it's a good job that she's the lead. And the other relevant point about Cersei is that a character that she was notably in a relationship with in the comics is newly announced as appearing in this film. Yep. And with a newly announced cast member, uh, Kit Harrington, who everyone seems to have an incredibly high opinion of the acting abilities of, uh, <laughs> has been cast as Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. And I know who Dane Whitman is because he was in Captain Britain and MI13. Yeah, uh, and I gather because... Kit Harrington was in A Game of the Thrones. Yes. Which we both um, watch, right? Yes, all yes. the time. I, lo- I love me a bit of Games of Thrones. I watch it every week still to this day. Um, the interesting thing about uh, Black Knight, because he's he's not British, but he's quite heavily associated with British Marvel because he was used a lot in Marvel UK in the late 70s and early 80s, I think because of his ties to kind of Arthurian yeah. uh, sort of myth. So uh, presumably that's why they've cast a British actor to play him. I assume they'll, they might actually make the character British rather than American, unless they're going to get Kit Harrington to do an accent. Um, yeah, well, but, okay. Here's an interesting thing, right? Have they actually called him Dane Whitman? I guess they yes, have. Yes, in fact, they? okay. Yeah, I, if anything, I think they haven't called him Black Knight. They've called him Dane Whitman. Okay, so he may not be the Black Knight in this film, and I suspect maybe he won't be, and he'll just be Dane Whitman. But yeah, because there um, are. Um, you know, lots of different Black Knights. Mm. And Dane Whitman is like the, the you know, the modern Black Knight. And I think it's yeah. kind of, the fact that he's American is sort of a spin on that. He's like, he is a knight of old, but he's like the first mm. American knight of old or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, and we saw a picture of them all in their costumes. Um, yeah, and they look a bit like Eurovision rejects, so that's nice. <laughs> so it's good to know that we're just as excited about the Eternals. <laughs> I'm so sad Joe's gone because we can't even pretend to care about Eternals now. Like, there's no balance. We should have got him back on just for this. We'll yeah. definitely get him on for that episode. There's no question yeah, that so Joe that is going to be on take the Eternals a break. episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's maybe move on from that then because I think people who do actually like the idea and are excited about the film might start to get annoyed at us just. Being, uh, <laughs> relentlessly i'm sure it'll be a great film but i'm not excited about it in advance let's say that yeah well let's move on to some characters who we are excited about because we got the announcement of not one not two but three new disney plus shows um i'm gonna save the best one for last i'm gonna do them in. (laughs) how are you even gonna pick the best (laughs) well i was gonna do them in what i think is ascending order of interest but this may differ for you um so let's start with moon knight 
And I think Moon Knight is the one we know the least about. I think all we know about Moon Knight is that it's happening. I don't think... And it's got a logo, but I don't think this one has had any uh, names associated with it yet in terms of, of writing it. Um, tell us about Moon Knight without using the words Marvel Batman. <laughs> ah, head, headed off at the pass there. Uh, so Moon Knight is a sort of vigilante who hangs out on rooftops. Uh, he's got a helicopter. Uh, he is themed around Egyptian gods. Uh, he is the avatar of Conchu, who is like the, I don't know, the Egyptian god of like punching or something. Um, he is a millionaire uh, and he has mental health issues. So basically he's the Marvel Batman. <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I've seen him described as um, Batman but crazy. And I'm like, you think Batman's sane? Yeah, it's like Batman but really crazy yeah he's batman with multiple personality disorder right i think i think the multiple personality thing was kind of added later maybe Mm. i don't know certainly when bendis did his version of it it was kind of radically different in that he the multiple personalities were specifically like spider-man wolverine and someone else i forget (laughs) right um, so as I said, I mean, I, I put him as least interesting. I do, I do think it's well. Actually, I, I think what's interesting about these three shows is that two out of these three shows essentially give us a Daredevil replacement, and I think this is one half of the Daredevil replacement in terms <laughs> of being the nighttime vigilante. I'd be really interested to see if they do go. For, I mean, you, well, you can't not go full on white costume with him because he's never not had a completely white costume. Yeah, I mean, when um, when Ellis was writing him, he wore a suit. Yeah, but that it was is still a, a white. And that was a great looking book um, because they did a really, the artist was Declan Shelby and they did a really clever thing where um, all the drawings of Moon Knight were just uncolored pencils um, surrounded by inked colored artwork and it created a really yeah. strong effect. It, well, that was like part of the idea, isn't it? It's like, who's a, he's a vigilante who goes, goes out at night and rather than dressing in like stealthy black, he wears yeah. white. <laughs> so you can definitely see him. But of course, they they might do what Netflix did with Daredevil and just put him in a boring black costume instead. <laughs> like good, next colourful, next costume. question. <laughs> okay, so in the middle of the excitement levels, uh, probably I think top of the excitement levels for a lot of people, but the only reason that this is in the middle is because of who's number one. Uh, so Ms. Marvel, uh, we are getting a Kamala Khan Ms. Marvel TV show. I think the only way in which some people are disappointed about this is that it's not a film. Yeah, and that's uh, something I feel about Moon Knight, actually, is that... It's it's kind of surprising that they're not doing a Moon Knight movie because that's a concept that fits on the big screen very easily. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what it is about these ideas that made them go, oh yeah, we'll do that as a as a like TV show instead. Um, maybe Moon Knight, they're a bit worried. Someone people were just going to go, ah, it's Marvel Batman, and fair enough. Mm. Ms. Marvel, the only reason I can imagine them doing it on the small screen first is just either A, they want to do it quickly and don't want to wait for a hole in the movie schedule, or B, they're like, Muslim superhero, never going to fly. Indeed, she can't fly, but... (laughs) Yeah, Um, I don't know. I mean, I think... I, I would be amazed, obviously, if this doesn't tie directly to Captain Marvel and... and, Well, I mean, it has to tie directly to Captain Marvel, really, even though in this continuity... 
Carol has never been a Ms. Marvel. And, the, the, you know, I'm sure people are aware of this, but the premise of Kamala Khan is that she's a superhero fangirl who gets superpowers via the conveniently forgotten um, Inhumans, Terrigen Mist, um, <laughs> and uh, is inspired by... Uh, is is when she? I can't remember when she first sees Carol. Is Carol Ms. Marvel? Or Carol has become Captain Marvel and she decides to take the Captain... I have never read a Ms. Marvel comic, so I cannot Um, tell you. But yeah, it's a it's a very successful and extremely well regarded series with a very well liked lead character. Um, I, as I say, I, I think that there will be direct links to the movie. I think probably it may even be the case that we meet Kamala in Captain Marvel two before the TV show. If that doesn't happen, then I would I think she will make it into movies after the TV show. Um, because yeah, I think with the popularity of the character, they'd be mad to just confine her to a Disney Plus TV show. Yeah. Um, this one has a showrunner, um, Bisha K. Ali, who is a British writer and comedian who went to America and immediately became a, a massive success and is a writer on. I did not know this that there is a Four Weddings and a Funeral Hulu TV show, uh, apparently showrun or at least produced by Mindy Kaling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was and- aware of that. <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea until I saw it. I saw a tweet that said, Ms. Marvel series to be showrun by Four Weddings and a Funeral writer. And I was like, that's not Richard Curtis's name. And also, Richard Curtis is a terrible choice for a Ms. Marvel TV series. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, this one definitely seems to be, in terms of the fact that it already has a showrunner, seems to be moving full steam ahead. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the first one we see out of the three, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't possibly. know if dates for any of these have been given, but uh, no, I don't yeah. think so. The thing, the thing I like about Ms. Marvel is that her thing in the comics is that she's like a superhero fangirl, yeah. And it will be fun to have a character like that in the MCU. Mm. Yeah, that's an angle we've not really had because we didn't get it with you know, like maybe a young Peter Parker might have been the way to go with that, and you suppose you get a little bit of hero worship when he's around the characters but you don't get the sense of he's sitting there in his bedroom as a fan of superheroes no exactly so uh yeah to have a superhero who who comes from that fan background who's written wolverine fan fiction uh it's definitely uh, <laughs> yeah gonna be interesting um but top of our excitement list and i assume at the top of your excitement list as well the return of darcy <laughs> we're getting there james we're oh. getting there uh, I did see a suggestion. I did see somebody uh, conflate this bit of news with the Darcy news, and it led to a brief glorious moment where we were like, "Oh man, imagine if Darcy was She-Hulk." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm extremely excited about this because She-Hulk has been one of my favourite Marvel characters for a long time. Yeah, and like pretty, I think we must be on record as saying like basically every She-Hulk series is great. Like there are a couple of weak ones, but. The ones that are good are really good. Yeah, it's she is a character who has... It's a bit like Daredevil, kind of has a consistently strong record of appearing in good comics, and even the ones that aren't as good usually have something interesting about them. Yeah. Um, and, as you know, again, the Daredevil comparisons won't go away with the fact that she is a lawyer in her civilian identity. Um, be interested to see. I, I suspect... And then again, I was going to say I suspect that they will go down the secret identity angle, but Marvel, the MCU, doesn't like secret identities. So no, if and we one, maybe of, one of She-Hulk's the... things as well is that, um, you know, ever since pretty much her second series, maybe even the yeah, no, yeah, it was the second. Like she sort of threw off the 
the idea of transforming back into Jennifer Walters and was just She-Hulk pretty much full-time. I mean, throughout the Dan Slot series, when she's practising law, she is still Jennifer and she's because she does switch between but it but then the Charles Soul series actually had her practicing law while transformed yeah i mean um, that that's more common that's the more common interpretation to be honest mm. i think dan slot was deliberately trying something different yeah um but either way yeah um she's a great character um there's an awful lot of really good comics out there that are worth checking out with her i think we've always said or at least i've certainly always thought uh TV show rather than movie makes sense because, she, like Daredevil, I think she can be used as a case of the week character. Yep. Um, and also, I think keep well, actually, I was going to say keeping her in, in TV sort of keeps her away from the Hulk side of things, but also they probably can't do a movie because I would imagine that Universal. I was about um, to say the, the reason, probably the reason this is a TV series is because if they did a Hulk movie, even if it was a She Hulk movie, Universal yeah. would have to distribute and then Marvel would lose a bunch of the money. Yeah. So. For the same reason they're not doing a Hulk movie, they are doing a She-Hulk TV show. Yeah. And I think everybody is aware of it, but it's always a fun point to note that literally the reason that She-Hulk exists um, (laughs) is that Marvel created her in comics so that the makers of the Incredible Hulk TV show couldn't create her first and own the rights to her. Yep. Do you have any thoughts kind of on a on a direction for this? What you'd want to see from it, what you wouldn't want to see from it? I would like to see them not do the Savage She-Hulk version because I think that's uninteresting if she's just literally female hulk i would like to see the sort of more upbeat more comedic maybe not necessarily the outright wacky version of she hulk in my, you don't okay. want to see the fourth wall breaking yeah what i want to see if i had to choose i want ali mcbeal with a superhero lead <laughs> that would be perfect and I if you can get is- robert downey jr back even better <laughs> I'm not sure about casting Callista Flockhart, to be honest. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. She was pretty well. good in Supergirl. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the three new uh, Disney Plus TV shows, maybe slightly diverting attention away from the existing ones that aren't existing ones yet because they haven't been made yet. But yeah, it's there's a lot like, of announced TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing. The, the previous batch already feels slightly like old news, but we did get some updates on them. Um, again, I'm going to leave one of them, I think, until last. Um, so um, we'll start with, I think, the one that you're certainly least interested in, uh, which is Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, which I like the look of. Um, um, uh, Sebastian Stan has got short hair for it, not the long bucky hair. Because people were commenting on that, I didn't see many people notice that, that on this poster, Falcon's outfit looks a bit red white and bluish and this strengthens my theory that this show is going to be all about him effectively deciding whether or not to become captain america and that it's going to end with him becoming captain america and that this show is going to be all about the legacy of steve rogers because it's also going to have sharon carter in it which i know you're going to be delighted about uh, <laughs> who isn't delighted about Camp that right carter. I think that she was great in Winter Soldier. I think we maybe have to forget everything that happened in Civil War, but if we get the Agent 13 that we had in Winter Soldier, I'm totally fine with Emily Van Camp returning. Also, she can't kiss Steve Rogers in this programme, so there's nothing for anyone to I mean, to she can. About. He's still alive, Seb, so don't, <laughs> you know. The thing that I find, like, what I would like to see is... Uh, Sharon Carter turning up and being like, 
what happened to Steve if we had a date? <laughs> and everyone being like, ah, yeah. <laughs> Scratching their heads. Funny story. Wow. <laughs> you know that, that creepy uncle of yours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. But, of course, this is also the show that is going to have uh, Daniel Brühl returning as a bemasked Baron Zemo. <laughs> and another new cast word. member, or rather a new cast member, but another additional cast member. Um, Wyatt Russell is playing John Walker. Tell me who John Walker is. He is US agent. So John Walker was a replacement Captain America who was a bit more conservative, a bit more right wing. Um, sort of when Captain America was i can't remember what how it originally happened captain america either quit i think he quit in protest and the u.s government was like well if you're going to stop being captain america we'll have our own captain america so we've got this like powered up right-wing nut nutcase and he's going to do our bidding now and like he's he's a bit more heroic these days and generally a bit more heroic um but he, he eventually became his own character, which is US Agent, who was sort of a grey Captain America with a different flag logo and a different shield. Um, I'm actually quite excited to see to see him in a TV show, especially if he's wearing like a sort of slightly modified Captain America costume like US Agent in the comics does. Well, again, if this is sort of the, the feeling that I get is, uh, is this a case of Cap is gone and on the one hand you've got the guys who Cap himself has entrusted with his legacy mm -hmm. and on the other hand you've got the government or somebody going well we need a new Captain America here's our new Captain America yeah absolutely um, and I would expect him to be an antagonist in this probably not yeah. an outright villain but I will expect him to clash with with Falcon and Winter Soldier and eventually team up with them at the end yeah and possibly become US agent at the end of the end of the series mm. I'm looking forward to this. I like these characters. I know. I mean, we, you know, again, we haven't got Joe anymore, so the real bookie hatred is is gone. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, you you know that pretty much my favourite strand of the MCU is that Captain America uh, intrigue arm. So I'm yeah happy to to see more of that. What about what about the Bucky metal arm? <laughs> That's my second favourite arm. Um, <laughs> So, yes, so we had that, but we also had uh, casting updates and uh, a poster slash promo art for, and this is where I cue the music, WandaVision, WandaVision. WandaVision. So let's let's talk about the cast before we talk about the imagery. Uh, again, we've got new actors and we've got returning actors. Uh, just to prolong this even further, we'll we'll deal with the new first because it's it's too. Uh... Actually, well, actually, no, oh no, it's not new, is it? Because yes, uh, Randall Park is also returning, so we'll come to him in a minute as well. But we have got the addition of um, Catherine Hahn, last heard, of course, in Into the Spider Verse. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's been revealed who she's playing. Uh, oh, apparently, a nosy neighbour is all that's been said about her character. Uh, but we're going to get Jimmy Woo, as played by Randall Park from Ant-Man and the Wasp. And we're getting somebody, Cat something. I've I've never heard of her. Um, Listen. But I believe you know a little bit about her. Don't fuck with me, Seb. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not in the mood. So, like, so, um, when, when this news was announced that Cat Dennings was coming back, 
I woke up to about 15 tweets from various people <laughs> saying like, hey, James, have you seen this news? <laughs> that is your brand. Yes. Your brand is Darcy Lewis. I'm extremely happy for that to um, be the case. I mean, we've no idea how this is going to remotely fit into anything, but then I think we've got no idea about what this is doing because they, all the, the kind of rumours and talk, which I think started to spring up when we saw that logo, um, we, we got a piece of promo art that seems incredibly heavily inspired by the Tom King and Gabriel Hernandez-Walter Vision mm-hmm. comic um, of, a, of a very humanoid and very Paul Bettany-looking Vision uh, sitting on a sofa with the Scarlet Witch or dressed in very uh, 1950s suburban Norman Rockwell America um basically like somewhere that's green from little shop of horrors style house and setting um and you know is it going to be a dream sequence is it going to be a computer simulation what is the setting of this show is scarlet witch uh, imagining a life with vision is it actually vision is it in vision's brain we don't know. But yeah, it looks I mean, if fun. I had to, if I had to put money on something, I would say Scarlet Witch's powers go sort of a bit out of control. She's rewriting reality to be a bit more nineteen fifties, and that includes having this like freaked out version of Paul Bettany living there, mm. and Randall Park and Kat Dennings, who are both working for Shield, have to go in and sort her out. That's my ideal case. Neither of those characters work for Shield, though. Yeah, but so they would both have to have got. Does Shield even still exist? I can't even remember. <laughs> Not been keeping up with the TV show. <laughs> uh, it does. It's run by a scroll. Of course. I don't even know if they if they're still Shield actually, or if they're just like has as as Nick Fury basically gone private? <laughs> Is he yeah, just just running around trying to control superheroes, but doesn't yeah. actually have an organisation behind it. Um, but yes, so that's one division. Um, as I say, it's it's hard to know a lot about uh, what that's going to do, but I I don't think it's I think everything that it's announced so far has made us more interested rather than less. Yeah, you know, I think every the, new the, bit of information about it. Has, the suggestion yeah. that it's going to be closely tied to Doctor Strange two is interesting as well. Yeah. Um, again, it could be a sort of if there's reality shifting stuff going on exactly is that going to tie into dr strange will have to be involved in solving Mm, dr strange is in the multiverse of madness so um i think we got a little bit of information about loki but just uh about uh director and i think i don't know if we already knew the writer of some of the episodes michael waldron from harman quest uh, the director of uh, all six episodes is kate heron who worked on sex education um we got a well, the, the, I think the convention got shown a clip and, and we got allowed to see a still um, of Peggy Carter as effectively Captain Britain from What If, <laughs> uh, which made us all excited. Uh, shame it's only animation, but it'll be fun to see that. Yep. Um, that was it, I think, for TV at D23. There were a couple of bits of... Uh, info about films there was a poster for black widow uh they did actually show uh a trailer there as well they showed uh, david harbour as the red guardian on the poster so that's interesting yeah. and he was seen in the footage as well apparently yeah uh but other than that yeah still hard to tell <laughs> a lot about what's going on with that even from from the poster and the costume that she's wearing uh it was a bit like you know when when in her career is is that kind of slightly more detailed costume supposed to have uh I think um wasn't it wasn't it clarified at some point that Black Widow was set after Civil War. Right. 
Um, but again, it's the kind of thing that could be taking place in multiple time periods anyway. So, yeah. Wikipedia says in some source statements, following the events of Captain America Civil War, Natasha Romanoff is on the run from the government following her disobedience to the Soviet Accords and for for aiding Steve Rogers. Right. She finds herself on her own, forced to deal with some of the red in her ledger. I just... They've got the timing of this so wrong, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, it kind of should have happened before she died. Spoilers. Because yeah. um, it's just... that's That feels too recent for a prequel to be interesting. Unless it does something really interesting with its story and its timelines or it casts light on stuff that happens later. But at the moment... The feeling I just get from this film is, oh shit, we forgot to do this. We need to quickly go and fill this in to yeah. tick a box. And yeah, I would rather either it was doing something more interesting about her past generally, which it might well do, we don't know, or that it was a straight up sequel, but obviously they can't be doing that for obvious reasons. So, And they're not going to undo that story beat so quickly. Um I wouldn't have thought. The, I mean, the only way I can see this really justifying itself is if it if it has stuff to to add to the sort of narrative of Black Widow beyond the events of Endgame somehow. And I don't really know how they can do that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm glad the movie exists. I'm sure it'll be great. I just wish it happened sooner, so it made a bit more sense. Mm. Like this is the first first time someone's made a Marvel Universe movie that sort of screams filler. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you're just going to go, oh, well, how's it going to contribute to the the sort of MCU meta arc? Well, it's not because it's set during a period where it doesn't really matter. Mm. So I don't know. And I think as well, it's even, um, it's not even as if there are many characters left who going and filling so say you've got like a framing device that you know this film is this this is filling in a kind of missing bit of natasha's story and maybe the framing device or something around it is one of the characters who loved her kind of reacting and you know to the fact that she's dead and looking Mm -hmm. back it's like there's none of those characters really left to do it with Um, (laughs) the fact the fact that steve you know steve and tony are gone we don't want a film where Hawkeye is the protagonist <laughs> looking back at, at Natasha's life. Uh, it's not going to be the Hulk. So it's like, you know, every, every, pretty much everyone who, who we've seen being close to her isn't around anymore. So there isn't even anyone to see it through the eyes of. Mm-hmm. So again, it just feels like it's going to be detached from things. But yeah, we'll see. It could surprise us all. Um, but another film that again probably is happening maybe later than everybody probably feels it should do but at least we have finally had confirmation that it is actually happening the worst kept secret is that ryan coogler is officially doing black panther 2 and it's coming out in may 2022 except it's not because those dates like when was the last time the first announced date for one of these films was actually the date that it landed on uh, if Joe was here, he could probably tell us, but I don't pay close <laughs> enough attention. I basically, I mean, I, I can never plan anything in my life more than about three months ahead anyway. So a nebulous release date in 2022, I have no way of knowing if that film is likely to hit that date or not. <laughs> because no. 2022 is the future. We'll all have jetpacks and flying cars by then. I mean, so. 2022, going to be going to be 40 in 2022. Not when gonna this movie now. comes out, but almost. <laughs> going to be eating out of flaming bins in <laughs> yeah. looking in the post-brexit britain yeah uh, <laughs> very optimistic to assume we'll be eating 
<laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if both of our countries haven't been destroyed by then, then there will be a Black Panther 2 in, in May 2022. Um, great to see. Does feel like maybe a bit of a long gap between them, but then they, they do often end up having these quite long gaps if you actually look at them. They, a lot, sometimes the films feel like they come around quicker, um, but actually, you know, Black Panther was 2018, 2022, four years. It's not too bad. If they'd got working on it straight away after the first one, you might have expected it next year. But And also, I'd rather, like, Black Panther, of all of them, took the time to get it right rather than rushed it out. Yeah. So I'm happy with that wait. It'll yeah. feel like an event when it comes around, certainly. Less, in you know, in the way that the Ant-Man and the Wasp sequel maybe didn't. Yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so that was Marvel at D23. Um, obviously there was no DC news at that event for some reason. Um, <laughs> not like an SDCC, but uh, DC have come out with something this week to get everybody talking. Um, something that I saw reported on a Twitter moment as the first trailer for Joker, which it's not, um, but as certainly a more detailed trailer, and one of those trailers that looks like it's showing you like pretty much the entire, <laughs> the entire arc film. of the film. Although, that said, um, if you do want to see the entire arc of the film, some wag has uploaded the entire screenplay to the internet. Yeah. So. I mean, that might well have changed because we know there's been reshoots, but oh, it's certainly yeah. the trailer certainly gives the impression that the, uh, the outline of that script is in place, which doesn't do a lot to alleviate the concerns over how the film is going to push yeah. the role of the Joker. so people may remember that um, we were worried the Joker movie would be a sort of version of the of the film um, version of the character who is extremely sympathetic and ends up you know being justified in a way that says like oh you know the Joker's not evil society made him evil mm. it, it seems like that's the version of the film we're getting yeah which is 
I mean, I still, I don't, this is why, you know, I kind of don't want to kind of retread that conversation that we had already because I think everything has to be caveated with the fact that no matter how much it might look like it's doing a certain thing, you can still look like you're doing that but still actually, yeah, you know, pull the rug out in the right way. It could still be subverting the film that it appears to be. Yeah. From what I've read and heard about that screenplay that's out there, and again, we don't know how final that is, uh, the impression that I get is that it's not going to be very subversive, but I don't think that means that the filmmakers are intending for him to be taken as someone to be inspired by. Um, and I think what I do think that the look of a lot of what they're doing with it is really interesting. I'm just, you know, so it's not like I'm saying they shouldn't have made this film or anything like that. I am just worried about how certain corners of the internet are going to react to this character because yeah these trailers just show us a guy who they who they will basically look at and go yeah this is me and yeah oh, he was just screwed over by the world and you know if only he'd had a girlfriend then you know he wouldn't have become a, a mass murderer um i mean to focus on the positive it, it looks like the first trailer did it looks great i mean it looks almost too heavily inspired by <laughs> 80s Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, like the, it is not accidental to have cast Robert De Niro as a character that reminds you of... Um, uh, what is... Oh, I nearly called him Artie Fufkin. <laughs> <laughs> Rupert Pupkin. <laughs> um, a character that, that just, like, that reminds you of Rupert Pupkin and Jerry Langford crossed together. Uh, because he's like he's he's Robert De Niro, but he's a successful um, talk show host. Um, it, it really is. It's it's got a look and feel that is, as I say, almost feels too borrowed. But at least that does mean that it looks really good. And every bit of performance from Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, uh, we we've been talking about this off off podcast on and on, on WhatsApp that like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is absolutely one of the best mainstream actors around at the moment if you can even call him mainstream but he does it does appear in high profile he's one of the best actors in hollywood appearing in high profile projects um and he really looks like he is bringing something to this and as much as i'm concerned about how people are gonna engage with this character i watched that trailer feeling really engaged but and, and and entranced by his performance so oh, yeah, i can like, totally you know. the, like it looks like a really well-made film that clearly yeah. has got a lot of care into it i'm sure it's going to be a good movie the problem is it feels like they've made a good movie without going like oh, is this going to incite people like right-wing incels to murder people uh let's not worry about that let's just mm. try and make the film we want to make and it's like mm, yeah. bit irresponsible but fair enough and it's like you know we don't know how the film's going to end, but I'm not sure that there is an ending that can... If if they spend the film doing what the trailers have made it look like they're doing and building the sympathy towards him, I'm not sure there's a way of undercutting that unless he does something so absolutely horrendous that, you know, nobody can remotely <laughs> sympathise with it. <laughs> what, uh, like, to what level, like just, <laughs> what could he possibly do that is so horrendous that... The right-wing incels will not identify with him in some way. Uh, he could write a black character into a comic book. <laughs> yeah, fair. 
as I think if you just reach a point where he's done that stuff, and even if he you know he gets arrested, or even if he gets killed, or if he just gets shown up to be awful and pathetic, I think everything you've done beforehand will still make people go, ah, but you know, yeah, ah, I think, but he's one of us. And I like, think probably the probably the only way you could justify that stuff is if the film ends with him essentially taking like a four channel and you know beating the crap out of them calling them pathetic and saying like oh you tried to copy me like what a fucking moron you are yeah and if that's how the film ends i'll be extremely happy i don't see I don't that happening do that no um you know i mean but also it could be that this trailer is misleading and throughout the film there you know that there are lots of instances of him just being shown to be deeply unpleasant and you know but i think the i think there is precedent for the joker being uh, an inspirational figure for people uh, in terms of, you know, people just really like dressing up as the Heath Ledger Joker. and People that like dressing up murderer. as the Jared Leto Joker, for Christ's well, sake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, and it's not even that I necessarily think, oh, this film is going to... Like, I, I genuinely, I, I'm not saying that I would blame this film for directly inciting violence. <laughs> I sort of might, to be honest. <laughs> well, I don't know, because you're going down a very slippery slope if you if you just blame a film. Yeah, but, uh, like, that, we, can all, like we can all see it coming, right? I, no, I, yeah, but I think it's just more... I, what I don't want to see is the, the kind of vindication and the glorification, um, you know, and it's sort of... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, part of me is like, should I really be criticizing the film? Because what I'm essentially saying here is, well, I could watch this film and get it, but you know, mm. stupider people couldn't. Yeah, and that feels like a slippery slope as well. Yeah, but I mean, just if slash when we get a bunch of people in Joker masks going around being unpleasant to people, I am going to feel a bit like this was avoidable. So if that happens. And I think it will. I am going to feel a bit vindicated in saying, like, mm, could have, could have maybe done a version of the film that didn't end with this happening. And and that ends Snowflake Corner for the week. <laughs> I think as well. It's just I I think there are maybe people I would trust to to do something like this with the right sensitivity, and I'm not sure Todd Phillips. He's, one of he's those not people. the guy. While he is a good filmmaker, I, I, yeah, I, nothing I've seen from him before suggests that he will have the kind of nuance to, uh, to do this. But you know, I mean, it's, the trailer has got a lot of people talking. The main thing that winds me up about it, and I have said this on Twitter, is that they <laughs> stole that Bob Monkhouse joke, and they use that Bob Monkhouse joke to get played and have people not laugh at it. And it's a really funny joke. Yeah. It's one of the best jokes ever written. It is, like, genuinely, it is probably one of the, the best pieces of stand-up. Like, the best stand-up one-liners, possibly. Yeah. Like, it says everything. It's so good. The thing the thing I want to say, just quickly, is that the way, like, we, the, the way we see that is through, like, the reported, uh, reported footage on a talk show. Yeah. Where someone shows that line and then goes, ha ha, what, uh, what a lame idiot. We don't know the context. It could be, and it looks to me like it might be, that he does that joke in a room, it absolutely kills, and then when they show it on TV, they cut out the laughs and use it to mock him. 
It could well be, yeah, and that's and that's and that's fair enough. But I just yeah, because yeah, as it's presented, and it's it's right that we don't know the context. As it's presented, the idea that nobody in a room would laugh at that joke is yeah. laughable. Although, admittedly, again, a lot of you know laughing at a joke can be about context and atmosphere. And a guy you've never heard of who's who has done a really bad set up to that point that you haven't laughed at, mm. trying to deliver that joke, you might not laugh. Bob Monkhouse, knowing that he's Bob Monkhouse, delivering that joke makes people laugh. They'd better but I credit do just, Bob Monkhouse. Well, this is the thing. I just, I genuinely suspect that they've seen that joke. And the thing about jokes is it is really difficult. Obviously, you know, I don't... Can you even copyright a joke? I'm not sure. I don't know if it's... If, if a joke, a single joke in and of itself is distinct enough to be I think you can copyright the sort of individual wording. If you can copyright yeah. a poem, you can copyright a joke. But obviously in comedy, there is a long-standing tradition of jokes getting passed down, old mm-hmm. jokes that bounce around. And, and I, I genuinely think that they'll have, someone will have seen that joke and decided to use it as an example of a joke in a stand-up set. And, and it does work if the premise is supposed to be, this guy's actually funny and they've treated him like he's not and mm-hmm. bullied him. It's a good joke to use for that. But I think they've used it thinking that it's a kind of um, what's the word? Not a, not like a public domain, but you know what I mean, like just, a well like used a folk, joke, a folk. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Know, part of the and folk cultural memory. Like, as far as I'm aware, unless anyone wants to correct, that joke did not exist in culture before Bob Monkhouse first wrote and said it. And it is indelibly associated with him. And what I said on Twitter, it reminds me of, is them hearing the song in in that Father Ted Eurovision episode and going, oh, no one will have heard of this. We'll use this. And actually, it turns out that everyone in Britain knows it quite well. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's a minor thing to get hung up on. But I have a couple of times this week, I've searched Bob Monkhouse on Twitter to see how many people have noticed it and talked about it. And the answer is quite a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So that was the trailer for Joker, which I actually was going to say at the start that I didn't want to get into that whole conversation again because we'd already had it and it would probably annoy people, but we've had it again. And we're going to have uh, it a lot more times before the film comes out. I know. And after I've the already film seen comes people out. saying, can we just skip Joker discourse? And it's like, <laughs> on the one hand, I want to, but on the other hand, there could be some interesting discourse coming out of it. And I am intrigued by this film because I either think that I am going to hate it or I'm going to hate that I liked it. So... <laughs> Shall I? We'll uh, let's make a pledge that every time we talk about Joker, we will do a different Bob Monkhouse one-liner to end the section. Okay. Uh, here's one. The last time I was in Spain, I got through six Jeffrey Archer novels. I must remember to take enough toilet paper next time. I can still enjoy sex at 74. I live at 75, so it's no distance. <laughs> uh. Anyway, right, let's move on from Bob Monkhouse because I could talk about him for quite a long time. Um, Let's round off just quickly by talking about the trailer for season two of Titans, uh, which might be a weird thing to talk about because, like, you know, we haven't really covered Titans, although we have talked about trailers and stuff before. Um, But what I found interesting about this is that we had season one of Titans, which certainly the way it set its stall out was to be quite angrily and rebelliously, like, not very DC-ish. I mean, like, Robin and Hawk and Dove had costumes and, you know, had weird but comic booky costumes, but certainly there was a feeling, I think, with Titans that it was it was trying to maybe go, well, let's do this. Realistic and gritty bit... superheroes. Yeah, exactly. And then it did quite well, and I think, but I think what people seem to latch onto and like about it were the areas where it 
did go more comics-y. Uh, obviously, we got Doom Patrol as a spin-off from it, and Doom Patrol has been very well received for, again, being, while weird and distinct, um, I think in some ways pulling stuff more from the comics, particularly the Grant Morrison comics, more than people expected it to. And then season two of Titans looks like it's going full-on, yeah, we're a DC show. And we're a, <laughs> There's a, we're lot, a, of, DC a lot of new characters show. in that trailer. <laughs> An awful lot of new characters show up in this first trailer. Like, I actually had to go and look because I didn't watch all of season one of Titans. I had to check which of these characters were introduced in season one and which ones weren't because I assumed that a lot of them must have been. I know, obviously, we got the tease of Superboy at the end of season one, um, but this trailer shows us Donna Troy, it shows us Aqualad, um, we've got Deathstroke in there, we've got Rose Wilson in there. Slade. Um, we slayed. <laughs> um, we've got Ian Glenn's Batman or slash Bruce Wayne in there, um, and I was amazed that actually, like from the look of it, Aqualad was not introduced in season one, and he's kind of presented as a character who's already there. Um, I think Donna Troy did appear, but not as a member of the team. She was just there as a character who was an old friend of Dick's. But she's full on wearing the proper red Wonder Girl costume in this. Uh, we've got Connor Kent in a black. Uh, Superman t-shirt. We actually see a bit of footage of it and getting it off a market store, which makes me wonder is this a Superman is dead world? And that's a commemorative t-shirt. <laughs> uh, we see Crypto the Superdog. <laughs> um, he has got Crypto. Um, and yeah, as I say, you know, we, 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 we see full-on Deathstroke in costume. Um, yeah, it's just they, they really look like they're leaning into this is you know, our new corner of DC universeness. And there is a part of me that wonders, is this DC shifting a bit of weight towards this if things might be winding down in the Arrowverse? Because there are new shows in the Arrowverse. They've, they've, we've got Batwoman coming up, and we've got, I didn't know this, but um, Black Lightning being folded in in the aftermath of Christ on Infinite Earths. But Arrow's finishing. Legends of Tomorrow is finishing. I don't know what the prognosis is for Supergirl. I mean, carrying on season, season five, five is about to happen. So yeah, Flash is about to do season six, and again, I mean, I think with both of those shows, it does seem a little bit like the momentum behind them has gone. So unless Batwoman is a really big hit, you might think they might be looking at the Arrowverse and going, "We need to put our eggs in another basket," and here is a Titans verse shaped basket that's obviously already got Doom Patrol as well that's introduced a lot of character setup that could be spun off in different directions mm-hmm. um, and it's on their own streaming network yeah it would make sense for them to invest in that wouldn't it um, you watched the Titans trailer because I said we were going to cover it on this yes. despite the fact that it's a DC thing And I mean, oh, actually, I was going to say you've got no interest of course it's the Titans so you have got an interest yeah. <laughs> um, did it make you want to maybe watch the show uh, I mean it still has that kind of sort of cheap and gritty feel that i'm not a huge fan of but i i think i might give it a try like i'm interested in a lot of the stuff it's doing you know i can we complained last week about how they never use robin and this has double your robins so yeah (laughs) and even the pre-existing titans characters from the first season seem to look in this season more like they should do yeah both starfire and raven look more like their comics counterparts Mm -hmm. than than they did in in season one yeah their deathstroke looks pretty dead on um at least with the kind of the newer bulkier post new 52 interpretation of him that they seem to stick with now he's not he's not as lithe as he used to be (laughs) less like deadpool 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not Deadpool. <laughs> if anything, he should be. So, so people should think he's me. <laughs> Um, yeah, so obviously, yeah, based on that, we are in a quite a Titansy mood lately. So uh, I, I think we should. I think when the first episode comes out, uh, or at least when it comes onto Netflix, uh, we should watch that and and see what we thought of it. As as me, as a fan of the original Titans comics, and you, as a fan of Teen Titans, go. Yeah, I do like the original Teen Titans comics as well. Like yeah. I, I read those before I seen Teen Titans go. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um. So I think, unless you have anything else. That is about it for our run through the news, which is we've actually managed to almost keep this under an hour, which is unprecedented, I think, or at least unprecedented after about 2016. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure that something will have emerged either while we've been recording or immediately after we record this, but before we manage to release it, because yeah. I've got another few days where I'm away. So this, this, this won't come out until a few days after we've recorded it. We're recording it on Thursday night, just so that you know that if we've missed something, it's not us being negligent. It's just that it happened immediately afterwards. I have seen rumours that a Birds of Prey trailer is about to land imminently. So Of course, uh, of course it will. Bank on that coming tomorrow. And we'll talk about it in about two weeks' time, probably when we do our... Um, Battle Angel our Alita. Alita. Alita Battle Angel Alita episode. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening to this uh, news minisode. You can hear more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com. You can subscribe to us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else that you get your podcasts, really. Uh, you can help back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cinematicuniverse to hear episodes ad-free and sometimes early. Uh, you can get our merchandise at redbubble.com uh, link to, through to from the website Didn't we have a, we've got a new t-shirt haven't we we have uh, I finally got around to my uh, inspirational wall design um, based around live die repeat it's like a joke <laughs> on those live laugh love things that you get on people's yeah, it's walls it's not a comic book movie said, what are you doing repeat. I know but I had nowhere else to put it I had the idea and I had nowhere else to put it so yeah, <laughs> nobody's bought it yet anyway so I mean that's how the Marvel Universe it. used to work right so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's how we ended up with the Eternals. Dracula. I had this idea and I had nowhere to put it. So. <laughs> anyway, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.